0: Hi, Good Morning Night Vale listeners, fans, owners, and future patrons.
1: Yes, we said it patrons. We are launching a Patreon so we can do cool things like bring you more fun slash weird content and have some cash to pay our editors and mixers.
0: If you were thinking, I'd love to buy those Good Morning Night Vale hosts a beer
2: or a Froyo or two semesters of tuition at mortuary school. Now you can, but instead of beers and yogurt and embalming fluid, It's cash, so
1: we can use it to keep bringing you this show. We have great perks for our patrons, like ad-free episodes and exclusive backstage tour videos and pictures, including video from our recent trip to White Castle.
2: It was fine.
1: Totally fine. Plus,
2: a bonus monthly fan zone-only episode, bi-monthly live fan zones, shout-outs in the credits, recipes, and food recs from the cast.
1: I, Hal Lublin, will make scones for you on the internet.
2: Plus
0: monthly weird personalized gifts and snacks delivered by mail from the cast. I have a
2: lot of weird Night Vale shit in my house and for the right price, it's coming your way. And the opportunity to be a guest on Good Morning Night Vale on the future episode of your
1: choice. And more.
2: If you love us or even just like us, check out our Patreon and keep our love alive with your sweet, sweet cash. Go to patreon.com slash goodmorningnightvale that's patreon.com good morning night veil vale.
1: we are forever in your hearts
2: and in your earbuds and in your bank accounts
1: it's fine we, we
0: love you. you
2: weird at last weird at last god
0: almighty weird at last
1: good morning night Vale.
2: everybody. It's your favorite teenage militia leader, Symphony
1: Sanders. And your least favorite brother outside the law, Hal Lublin.
0: And your mid-level favorite sentient patch of haze, Meg, who plays Deb, who plays your soul. Welcome. Welcome to Good Morning Night vale, everyone. This is uh, episode nine, Good Morning Pyramid. We are so excited to be back chatting with you, as we do every week, about Old episodes of the Hip popular or weird cult fan podcast. Welcome to Night Vale. So, yeah. So today we find ourselves at episode nine, Pyramid.
1: Yes. And here is the description. A large philosophical pyramid appears in town, announcing several messages. But is it what it seems? Plus, best practices for regular skin checks, an update on the levitating cat, and whatever happened to that vile barber?
0: Great. Awesome. Yeah, I love this episode. This one feels really fun. Uh, I love that the creation of this episode was an experiment that Joseph and Jeffrey did with a person that they knew from
2: Twitter. Yeah, Regis.
0: Regis Locker. Yeah, to get the text of the pyramid. They asked this person who was funny on Twitter, and at that point was tweeting from a with their avatar as a pyramid, they were just tweet lots of things in all caps. And so they asked Regis to do that, and then they wrote a script around it. And I think that's a pretty ambitious thing to do, only nine episodes in. And the results are great. I think that they were able to really shape a great episode around this
2: and do a lot with it and really reveal a lot about the town. Yeah, um, you really get an idea just from the first, even the first couple of minutes uh, regarding... How strangers should should be treated in the town, and it's a it, the town as a whole feels this way that everyone should be mistrusted and avoided, and then uh, and even friends and loved ones like can you really trust them? You know, which is I think so interesting. And when you think about back in the day when it was like the Red Scare and all that, right? When people were like, "Is your neighbor a communist?" <laughs> it really sets up that whole feeling of mistrust in Night
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a definitely a town built on paranoia, and the world is built on paranoia and suspicion and people listening in and peop- things being enforced violently by kind of faceless- Vigilante justice. Vigilante justice <laughs> and like, dictatorial faceless uh, city councils. It's it's interesting, the, the, and look, there's nothing new about this. This wasn't invented by improvising, but it, it, it makes me think of improvising. How Jeffrey and Joseph worked with an outside writer, where you know that that outside writer could send whatever they want. Regis could have sent whatever he wanted at any time, and it was uh, Joseph and Jeffrey's job to sort of build around that and and make it fit, or find the ways that it doesn't fit and exploit that. Which is, like, nothing has to fit in Night Vale. Is there anything you can drop into an episode of Night vale that you would say, like, doesn't fit or couldn't fit somehow?
2: Uh, No. I mean, I'm sure they'd find some way to uh, make it fit in, no matter how strange or normal, I guess. But this one, especially the pyramid, it drops into the meditation zone. Do either of you meditate? Have you ever meditated before?
0: Sometimes I like zone out when I'm really tired. Does that count? <laughs> uh,
1: I tried one of those apps. I can't remember yeah, yeah, which yeah. one. And I would sit there. It was like a British guy. Uh huh. And and I, I I don't know how well wired I am for it. I feel like I have to work into meditating because the whole time I'm like, Has this been two minutes? Are we almost done? This is very relaxing, but are we almost done? Can I look at my phone? Am I not allowed to look at my phone? Where should I be looking? Should I look up, down, ahead? Maybe I should close my eyes. Nope. Now I'm just getting pictures of what might be in the room. I'm gonna open my eyes and look around and see if it's there. <laughs> so, like, I'm just not built for it. You, you probably do though, don't you, Symphony? I feel like you would.
2: You know, I try to do things that quiet my mind. So I, you know, try. I do yoga and things like that. But then I have found that you know my mind still like rushes and like thoughts come in and out. And I think sometimes people get confused that meditation is not about completely shutting that out. It's about letting that those things come in and just like letting it flow across like your mind's eye or whatever, instead of like focusing on it, you know, just like a thought comes to you and you can just like, let it go. But what do you think in night veil? It says there's like meditation equipment and paraphernalia. What do you think that is just like a bunch of like little Buddhas or those like, Lucky cats with the arm.
0: I think it's stuff to strap you in, you know, so that you okay. really, you really got to focus. There's nothing you can, you can't. You can only focus on trying to escape, you know. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Sometimes uh, when I'm eating snacks, I black out, and then I wake up and the <laughs> snacks are gone. So maybe it's maybe it's <laughs> like snacks for snack meditation. What
1: What snack would make you? What snack makes you black out the most? What was the last snack blackout you had? Snack out. It's the last ah, snack, out.
0: snack out. It's probably popcorn related or a uh, large bowl of fruit related. The, because I'm at the point in my life where I know that. I mean, you could rip, interchange large bowl of fruit with bag of Skittles, but I'm not allowed near the Skittles anymore. So I have the large bowl of fruit, and yeah. So sometimes
2: <laughs> I wake up and the whole watermelon's <laughs> gone,
0: and you know,
2: there are worse things I think than uh, eating a large bowl of watermelon. Yeah, eating a lot of fruit until you're
0: so full you feel like you're going to puke. Right. <laughs> because it's cold, sweet, and delicious. Um, so, yeah, maybe that, that was, that's the meditation equipment that I think about is just large bowls of cold fruit.
1: <laughs> I imagine um, Pilates uh, reformers, but like the okay. full ones, if you're not familiar with Pilates, go find a Pilates studio or look at a picture online and you'll be like, is this where – uh, suburbanites go to get tortured because they all look yes, like rats. And the answer is yes, like the wonder chair. Yes. But yeah, it's really to uh, Jennifer, like you're gonna my be wife, stretched She was yes. a Pilates instructor for for a couple of years, and I and I went and took classes with her like twice. And that's, how did that go? That's real hard. You shake all the <laughs> time. Like I shake going upstairs. Like you know, look. There are certain exercises I can do, and then there are others where like this is a this is a muscle set that I didn't think that I had. Although, tell me if this is true you're you're a fitness expert symphony
2: I am I'm a fitness professional.
1: Is it true that everybody has like a six pack? It's just underneath a bunch of stuff? Yes, so then I'm already done
2: hypothetically, yes, but like you have to burn off all that fat that might be in between those those tissues that will uh cause your rectus abdominis not to be fully.
1: On display, you know? Hilarious name, but do I have to? Because it's already there. Like, I've already achieved it, right? (laughs) What I'm saying is, do I have to exercise? Yes,
2: the answer is yes. Oh, you're the worst! Because you, okay, look, the the more you exercise those muscles, the stronger you are, and the more you're able to stand up straight. It's not just about having a six-pack abs, it's about being healthy and moving through your life in a healthy way. And if you don't have strong muscles supporting your core and your spine, you're going to be bent over and decrepit. Whatever.
0: If you're like me and you don't like really exhaust yourself through exercise every day, then you get sad and crazy. So,
2: Right. It does really help with the endorphins. Like I realized after, if I don't exercise regularly, I feel less t- put together. I, I always feel more, uh, I have a po- more positive outlook when I exercise regularly.
1: Oh, fine.
0: I feel lucky I feel lucky to be able to be able-bodied to exercise because I know that there's people out there who true. don't get to have the benefits of exercise because of uh, whatever situation that they're working with. And so whenever I ha- lack motivation for exercise, I often think that I'm lucky enough to be able to manage my mood through exercise.
1: It's true. It's a privilege. Uh, you've both convinced me. Thank you very much.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, as we transition back into our discussion of this episode, we have the privilege of making those choices for ourselves. But unfortunately, in Nightvale, you know, you have the sheriff's secret police going around tasing people to get things done. And, and they think tasing a pyramid is going to really help. Can we talk about the whole like idea that this was a marketing ploy by Flakios? By Flakios,
0: yeah, they're we're engaged in, <laughs> engaging with a brand. Yeah. It's brand engagement. Uh which is great. <laughs> and uh I love that it's Flakios cereal that people eat at night.
2: Isn't that all cereal
0: though? I mean you can eat cereal any time of day. People are like, yeah. it's a breakfast <laughs> food. No, it's not, it's just a food. Crunchy, sometimes sweet, good with right. milk, dairy or non dairy. Uh yeah. Do you, do you have a particular nighttime snack that you like to enjoy?
2: Uh, well, I do like nighttime cereal, honestly. And I really like, as a dessert, peanut butter Cheerios, because they're delicious and multigrain. Um, or if those are unavailable, I like the Reese's <laughs> Puffs, because those are a less healthy choice. But if I'm just, like, feeling like a little sandwich and a little savory, I do peanut butter... Honey, bacon, and banana. All fried in bacon
1: fat. That's Elvis style. That sounds real good. Oh, yeah.
2: Now,
0: imagine those little tiny sandwiches as little tiny bits of cereal. And you have (laughs) symphony-os.
2: No, just symphos. There you go, symphos. Symphos.
0: Oh, Oh! symphos. That's perfect. It's like, I remember French Toast Crunch. They're like little tiny pieces of French toast. Yeah, it's like that, but they're symphos and they're little tiny- Bacon, banana, peanut butter, honey sandwiches that are fried. Then you put them in a bowl.
1: How has nobody mass marketed bacon cereal yet? I know that like probably if you went to like a Spencer's Gifts, there's like a box on the back by like the creative rubber penises. But like nobody – there are no like bacon Cheerios. There's no Frosted Flakes with bacon. There's no honeycomb.
2: That's actually kind of surprising to me because people do all sorts of other things with bacon. You know, like bacon whiskey. I've seen bacon whiskey. Like bacon flavored whiskey. Um, you know, but hey, maybe it doesn't preserve well. It would just have to be like those nasty like bacon bits, you know, which is not real bacon and just will just do a dis No, not disjustice. That's not disservice. A word. What is that? Disservice. I is smart. I went to college.
0: A great injustice towards bacon. All right away from snacks yet again that i've <laughs> let us down and back to the show um so we we check in with telly the barber who we last heard from when did we last hear from telly is it episode three
1: yeah when he cut carlos's hair
0: when he cut carlos's hair yeah so we're checking back in with him and things have not
1: he's
2: messed up
0: yeah <laughs> things did not go well i've i've seen some theories that they think that cecil might have put a curse on
1: him wasn't there a, a theory out there that we discussed Recently, that Cecil uh, is like somehow in con- like mental control or has some psychic abilities. And if so, then he didn't intentionally put a curse, but sort of his bad thoughts all of a sudden damaged Telly and he's wandering the desert now. I think
2: it goes even more simple than that. He just literally cyberbullied him. So he's been shunned by the town and everybody's like hiss. Telly hiss, you know, and he's been driven out and driven mad by the the town's full shunning and rejection. It's very much like he's just everyone's turned their back on him.
0: So Cecil cyberbullies Telly the barber. What would Melania say?
1: Be best. Cecil <laughs> needs to be best. Be best.
2: <laughs> oh my
1: All god!
0: Right. So that's bonkers where we pick up with telly but that's nice to see some threads starting to pull through from episode to episode some
2: continuity things starting to happen in the world where we uh pick back up and then we uh after that talk uh seeing Kashuk again and how much he's grown on cecil and everyone and how everyone at the station is really chipping in Their time and efforts to love this cat. And then that woman. um, Michaela. Michaela. She like put her other dog to sleep. Weimaraner.
1: Yeah. Three month old Weimaraners
2: are kind of crazy. But
0: they're beautiful. I love a Weimariner. They're like a statue. No. Dogs should be put to sleep when they're too sick to live or they're, they're. They're very violent and hurt children, but, uh, but not because you like, just because you like cats, (laughs) just because you find yourself
2: into cats. But that's so extreme, just like everything else, you know, people have these extreme views
0: um, I love the conversation where they talk about Brad the intern, how he has figured out a way because he's into is it dark magic and woodworking uh, carpentry, wood, woodwork, woodwork and carpentry yeah. so that he can build yeah. litter box that floats. I love it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> do you think he has to continuously like do that that spell, or is it
1: just like a one time like hellacazabra and then a floating? It's floating. I think you probably said it and forget it. <laughs> if look, if the cat can float continuously. Why not allow the the litter box to flow? Here's the other thing. He talks about the lack of exercise and how big. like he's on the science hill uh, light di- like the yes. Science Hill diet uh, cat food because Kashik is doesn't have room to move. I guess I always imagined that in the floating, it was sort of like you could go up to Kashik and spin Kashik around yeah, like on a rotisserie. Yeah, he could move his legs and neck and stuff. like he's not like frozen catatonic. Pun not intended, uh, but like has motion but just can't. I can't leave the space. So you could yeah. get exercise, like fake, like that thing where you pick up. If you put a dog in water, and then you pick the dog up, the dog is still paddling,
0: and their legs. Yeah, their legs yeah. still keep going. The yeah, most I mean, adorable. You can, you're a, you're on a weird, you know, floating cat treadmill, and that's great. You could do. You could work out all day. You could be running at full clip all day
2: in just the yeah. exact same spot. But I mean, if you think about it scientifically. Look at astronauts. They still exercise and do all that stuff in space. But when they come back down, their muscles have atrophied in a funny way because of, like, the weightlessness. So no matter how much you exercise, you're still, you know, it's not the same because there's no weight bearing.
0: Yeah. You don't realize how much energy you're expending working against gravity. Right. Right. Just to keep yourself standing up and off the ground. Also, when you come back
2: from space, you're taller.
1: Oh, right, because you're, you know, gravity uh, compressing your spine.
2: Then I need to go to space.
1: Hello. (laughs) Five-two. Is it true that all cats have a six-pack even when they get really fat? Stop it. (laughs) You stop it.
0: With the science, di- if I ate the calorie uh, low calorie science diet cat food, would that help my six pack emerge? If yeah. I were to replace I'm all sh- the no,
2: actually, I'm sure it would, but that would be gross. Be like, okay, um, all you have is your suitcase half packed with like science diet cat food, like for a tour. <laughs> That'd be the most. We'd be like, wow, and your breath would smell like cat food. <laughs> yeah,
0: for tour I pack like, you know, a fistful of pin-up dresses and a ton of cat food and I'm good to go. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's what I'm going to bring in my little suitcase that I travel with when I when I come on tour with y'all. Yes. I'm just going to load it up. And I I grew up with dogs, but you know we were fortunate to have dogs that a lot of whom grew to be very old and they started going on the science hill just for the dog food and you would like they'd get half a can and then you'd put the plastic lid on it to yeah, keep yeah, it fresh yeah. but it smelled it smelled terrible when the Bad. plastic lid came off and it smelled <laughs> almost worse when you first popped it open it has got like the the pet food juice in there. It's like, like I don't gelatin. know what...
2: It's like a weird gelatin. It's a gelatin. <laughs> that's exactly. It's ugh. the same
1: stuff that that gefilte fish has put in, which I love. Yeah. So you'd think I would love the cat food.
2: I've never had gefilte fish before.
1: Oh, don't worry. We'll we'll fix that.
2: Okay, because I I want to I want to eat that.
0: I'd love to try that with you, but I'm on a strict cat food diet.
1: So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um can we talk about how the pyramid has kind of like a riddle sort of like its statements are kind of riddly like it's like the riddle of the sphinx almost
1: Yeah feels like I think there are uh, th- this is something I've been thinking about a lot with Night Vale is w- we assign meaning and and fans assign meaning to every single thing that happens Rightfully so. It's great that people build headcanons around things. I'm not criticizing that, but it it strikes me, especially, you know, reading uh, the story of how the episode came together, that maybe these mean nothing at all, but we assign, and whoever's listening assigns deep meaning to it. Sure. Just based on how – like the more cryptic the message, the more we look for meaning, and then you can – Build meaning into it later, which is which is kind of brilliant, but also uh, kind of makes me wonder. Well, what else here is? When is a duck just a duck?
2: But isn't that just the human condition, Hal?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you nailed me. Gotcha. The pyramid does
0: take up a lot of space, and it, it's shouting and it's large, and so it's we're obviously going to turn to it and be like, but what does it mean? And what does it mean in the broader sense? But, yeah, it's possible that it is just a large shouting pyramid.
2: By the way, I'm literally imagining – do you guys watch Rick and Morty? Have you seen Rick and Morty? Yes. I haven't. Okay. There's this one episode where these, like, giant heads from another, like, galaxy come. And they're like, show me what you got (laughs) to Earth. And, like, they (laughs) have to, like – it's – basically like a a show like the voice or something, but intergalactically and like the one, the planet that wins doesn't get destroyed. Uh, So I'm just imagining like this giant pyramid being like, I will place within some of your questions, you know? So (laughs) Golden and shining. I can understand the fear, but, uh, but people at towards the end, like even Cecil says that, The pyramid that we've grown to love. So it's just interesting how something that invades their town, this happened with the Glow Cloud, something that invades their town and like basically destroys something can still be met with awe and wonder and love, kind
1: of. Right.
0: Yeah, Nightvale is quick to adapt to new things in its environment. At times, it definitely a lot of time when the big weird comes into town, it becomes becomes it finds a home in Nightvale rather quickly.
2: Right.
1: Well, the the town is very quick to sort of roll over and show its belly, <laughs> <laughs> like whatever it is. We we believe you. We pray to you. We you are the all knowing. We're gonna go take these uh, serial executives and throw them in the in the abandoned mine and. Work them over. Uh, And this is after we've tried to taser you and fire missiles at your surface, which did nothing. So this is actually a little more fight than I would normally expect out of the town as a whole.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, it's just that I think that the secret police and that general mistrust of being like, oh, something's here. Should we shoot at it? Should we explode it? And then when that doesn't work, it's like, well, it's fine. We like it now. (laughs) Yeah, we can't over we can't overpower it. So we best make friends, right?
1: Yeah, Inst- instantaneous surrender.
2: In the meantime, while this is happening, uh, Cecil continues to go on uh, talking about different things. Especially, I really like the public service announcement about the s- the sun checks, like skin checks.
0: Oh, that one grossed me out so much. I was had I had a big gross moment. I was like,
2: oh, 15, a horn in the back of your knees. Like you would totally, it's like, maybe you wouldn't notice. And it's like, you would totally notice if there was a 15 inch spiky horn coming out of the back of your knee or whatever. It's so gross.
0: Yeah. Knife felt <laughs> rarely grosses me out. This one grossed me out. I was like,
2: oh. And there's red lips at the
1: tip, which yes, is like. that was one yeah. of the
0: big
2: grosses. For what? Yeah.
1: For what? Did anybody else picture the mouth from the Twizzlers commercials of the 80s and early 90s?
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: That's the exact mouth, right? Yep.
2: That's where it comes Mm -hmm. from. Why don't I remember that? I imagine the one from Rocky Horror. It's similar.
1: Yeah, those mouths were related for sure.
0: Oh, I love that in this episode we get a nod. uh, We do a little bit of an inward nod and there's this fake audible ad that's in in the show. Yeah. So, yeah, we get a little self, little tug in cheek, self referential. Uh, yes, we are a podcast. So, we're going to put a fake Audible ad in our thing. So, I thought, and I think that's the, the the style of writing of it is very funny. And it starts out pretty earnest. And then it does the thing where it takes you somewhere new. And we're not sponsored by Audible in this episode. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Can we talk about the si- all the street signs, those semaphores? Have you ever seen that? Like people do the semaphore thing, like it's a bunch of different like arm motions. Yeah. you know, it looks very much like flags. Meg, you were a flag girl. I was. I was in the color guard.
0: I did not do semaphore flags. Did
1: though. you learn? Uh, Is that like a thing? Like I learned.
0: F- I learned nothing of semaphore flags until I later in life learned what a set that what that was. Can you still do tricks? I can still do tricks. Yes.
1: Wait, what tricks can you do?
0: I can throw a flagpole in the air pretty far and then catch it. <gasps> like it'll be all flipping around and stuff, and then you catch it. Uh, yeah, I need to, and I can c- c- catch it anyway. <laughs> wow. There's a tr- the trick about flags is that it's like usually it's between six and seven feet of flagpole, and then it's got a flag on it. We it's called a silk. And so the 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 saying was always, "You've got six feet of pole and five feet of silk, catch something." So. <laughs> Even if it's just like this big thing hurling back at you, you have a pretty good shot of getting your hands on it because it's big.
2: So You're like, don't let it hit your face.
0: No, I took a flagpole to the face more than once, many times. But that's how you get good at something is to repeatedly get hit in the face with it.
1: <laughs> so. That's why I'm so good at riding a bicycle.
0: <laughs> that's, why <I'm, laughs> yep. that's why I'm good at uh, making smoothies.
1: You must have looked like uh, one of the kids from You Can't Do That on Television for, like, the first year. Yeah. I make a lot of really contemporary references. Judging from the average age of yeah. the fans that I've met, there's no way any of this is – am i I've become – am I the old uncle of Night Vale who comes in like, here are some great references, kids?
0: Yeah. I mean, all of us are a little older than the, the – nightvale predominant nightvale fan base nightvale is lucky in that it enjoys fans from all walks of life True. we sometimes we have kids like we were uh in in winnipeg we had our uh, the fan that we met in winnipeg that was the like how old was that the fan that we met in the the stella symphony
2: the where we oh
0: he was like
2: 10 yeah but his parents, that's my favorite thing, is when we meet fans and their parents, and that was the way that they all connect to each other. Like, they all listen to the show together. Yeah. Um, they go to live shows together. Um, it warms my coal black heart. <laughs> it does. It's nice when people,
0: they get to do things to, together. There's, like, an intergenerational thing. So, yeah, it's nice that we have some young fans. I'd say we mostly have younger fans, but there's also fans who are I, I guess around our age or a little bit older. We haven't really cracked the, like, 80-plus market yet, but that's because I don't think most 80-plus people know what a podcast is. are aware of what podcasts are. But for those that do, we might we probably have some out there. Uh, but, yeah, I think that, yeah, how you, you're the old uncle, but
2: what? <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what. There's been a couple places that we've played where the saints or the people that were ushers for the show were older, but they volunteered at the theater because, you know, that's what they do. And then they get to see live theater or shows or music or whatever for free. And so many people like in Florida had no idea what our show was, what happened during it, what a podcast is, where you listen to it. Is it on the radio? No, (laughs) you know, and we have these conversations everywhere we go. And it's, but I think once they see the show, we end up having a fan, even if they may not ever listen to the show again. They would be like, "Oh, that was a really enjoyable experience
0: yeah they I mean there are a lot of those for those people they grew up on radio dramas right and and this is a a way that that art form has lived on it, through audio fiction is is through the medium of podcasting, so it's kind of a cool thing, and I wish that w- there was a way for us to maybe outreach to those people more because they're older and i'm assuming lonely and sad and <clears throat> would love to get get into some audio fiction
1: did i have i told y'all do you know that when we go to the keswick theater in philadelphia that one of my best friends in the world who i've known since i was 12 his mother Who's retired volunteers at the Keswick to, to see shows and stuff. So she's always there as a volunteer. She always gets herself scheduled when we're there performing so I get to see her.
2: Oh,
0: that's awesome. So she can cheer extra loud for Philadelphia's own Hal Loveland.
1: Yes. So Tony could can, she, she can do that and try to bring pineapple upside down cake, which she makes for, she made for my mother when she was alive and will make for my father. She's an incredible, she's so good. Uh, she's so good at food. She's so good at food. She's so good at it.
0: Pineapple upside down cake is still yeah. delicious.
1: I love it. It's so good.
0: A little vanilla ice cream on
2: there. Get fancy.
1: If she hears this, guess what's going to happen in the next Philadelphia show? We're going to get one. Tony, you heard.
2: And generally, guys, just, an, uh, just a shout out. Uh, we do not accept food, generally. From this food. You true. accept it from Tony, because she's been vetted by the Loveland yes. family. Right. Uh, but generally, we don't accept uh loose food i guess the word
1: is (laughs) don't bring us just a bag of cracker jacks that you that you put together well
2: if it's if it's if it's in a package for sure we'll take it if it's booze totally you know but when it's not because we think that you you know aren't a good cook and we appreciate everybody doing their best to make stuff but like you know, some of us have dietary issues that you might not be aware of.
0: Yes. Like, I'm on a, I'm on a diet of low-calorie science diet, cat food. Yeah, so. that's all she eats. So, I mean, you could bring that, but I do have my own. So, I don't want to be picky, and I don't want to make you feel bad, and I don't want to have to, like, throw out your, like, really nicely baked, delicious, warm chocolate chip cookies because they're not – they don't adhere to my, my low-calorie cat food that I eat.
2: <laughs> oh, God. This is going to be great, when the gifts that we're going to get from people. No, it's just going to be cat food. and Yeah.
0: Don't bring us cat food. Go donate cat food. We're not going to no. be able to do anything with it. Well, I will. I'm, I'm lying. I don't actually eat cat food. I eat buckets of watermelon, uh, which the th- I make the theaters provide for me. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> It's so good. It's so good. Well, I love – I had watermelon um, tonight after dinner. It's so good. So we had as our treat. But you
2: know what? It has to be good. It has to be good. I am very – I did not – used to like watermelon it has to be still toothsome it can't be too mushy I don't like when you get sometimes at some diners or whatever it's like that old fruit salad where it's like honeydew melon that is so dry and tasteless and dry or worse yet mushy watermelon just like puts my panties all in a bunch yeah I think it's important to get it right
0: up next, we're going to hear from fans and friends of the podcast about their theories, comments, and questions. But first, a conversation about this episode's weather. This episode's weather was last song by Jason Webley, and what an excellent, epic song it is! I feel like I've heard this song a hundred times when uh, Jason tours with us as a live weather.
2: Yes, I love Jason Webley so much because if you, when you listen to this song. I had an idea of what that person was looked like, all that stuff, because I hadn't seen a picture of him. And then when I met him, I was like, "Oh wow, he's not what I imagined in my head." I I just imagined somebody like big and gruff and like whatnot. But he is the most lovely person. But I I have to say that this song and Jason Webley in general sometimes makes me think of like a Bruce Springsteen Irish bar song singing accordion player, you know, cause his voice is so like gruff and he's got this really driving beat just from his stomp box and all that stuff, creating his percussion uh, and then his accordion play. But it's always like kind of sad and like, you should know the words and sing along with it in a bar, you know?
0: Yes. Yeah, so it definitely, uh, so- certain songs of him definitely lean towards the like, let's all sing along and kind of shout and emote and really like feel our feel our intense gruff feelings. So, yeah. And the, the, yeah, he plays the accordion. He plays the guitar. He has a box that he stomps on. Um, one of my other favorite Jason instruments is the plastic vodka bottle full of pennies. Yes. Uh, that he plays. Uh, I had the honor. Uh, our s- Seattle shows at the Neptune in 2014, Jason was the weather and the, he came in, we were loading up and he needed to build a new one of these instruments. And so he just had this plastic bottle of vodka and just we poured the vodka out and we didn't throw it away. But like all night, everyone was just drinking this horrible vodka mixed with like <laughs> he brought some sort of odd juice that we were mixing it with. We had to and he you know made the plastic bottle full of pennies. And and that's the, the driving kind of percussive sound that you hear. That's not the stomping; is the vodka bottle full of pennies. I felt like it was a big fan moment to get to help empty that bottle of vodka in Seattle.
1: <laughs> so, it's so grunge.
0: It was very grunge. Uh, yeah, but we've, yeah, we've been so lucky to get to have Jason on tour with us. We st- J- Joseph uh, was a fan. Joseph's sister, Anna, was a fan. And that's how Joseph found Jason, as any good older sibling will do. We'll get you into some good music. And Joseph got into Jason and... Uh, we also are big Amanda Palmer fans and they've collaborated together on a bunch of projects and they're good friends. And so that's how Jason kind of came into our lives. And uh, we asked, uh, kind of cold called Jason and said, Hey, can we fly you to New York to be the live weather for our show? I think it was the debate Hal, I think it was your first show, the debate with us, uh, in New York that roulette. Yeah.
1: Yes, it was. And I remember him being there.
0: Yeah. We kind of just cold called him. We were like, Hey, Joseph sent him an email being like, hey, do you want to, maybe we'll fly you to New York if you want to come do the show. And he said yes. And from then, it's just been so cool working with him. We've done a lot of the U.S. with him. We've done Europe with him. I saw him fall down a staircase in Bristol, and it was the most beautiful I've ever seen anyone fall <laughs> down anything. Jason's a super solid performer, and he comes from theater, and he comes from uh, street performance, and uh, and so he's a performer in every ounce of his being. So even him falling backwards down a flight of stairs is beautiful and so controlled because he is so in his body. Um, and yeah, it's just super, super conscious and performative.
1: He's like a Commedia character come to yeah. life. <laughs> the thing that always strikes me uh, about Jason is how, gruff, how like gruff and Tom Waitsy his singing is yes. like it is visceral and animal. And then you talk to him and he's like the most soft spoken dude I don't know if it's because he uses all of his vocal power, yelling, <laughs> yelling songs at people, <laughs> but like he's just a really soft spoken, very gentle guy, and it, he's very like just super nice and unassuming. And then he gets out there, and, and there's something to be said for that for that ability to sort of turn it on on stage and not not carry it with you, to have it when you need it, but that doesn't sort of not even hamper, but color your day to day.
0: Yeah, oh, I think it's good for like being durational. Jason has been in the business for years, and as I said, he started in in theater and has been performing and touring for years, and has lots of different aspects and facets to his life. But yeah, he he is this kind of quiet, calculated, gentle, reserved person. And then he, when he walks out on stage, he his voice and his his instrument his instrumentation is just like really knock you out. They're very dynamic and very intense. What heck of a performer. I learned a lot just from watching him about how to talk to a crowd.
2: Yes, definitely. Do you feel like this song is like sounds like an anthem to you? Cause I that's the that's what strikes me is that this song is just like a great call to, you know, do something. Stand up, do something, be great. I don't know. I that's how I feel about it. Or you know, stick your head out of a sunroof, you know, while you're going 60 miles an hour and just give a big wahoo. I
0: agree. It's a good, strong call to action. uh, It's for call for solidarity.
2: So after the weather, we come back and find that the pyramid has disappeared mysteriously. And a little one is left in its place. What do you think about that?
0: I love miniatures. (laughs)
1: Miniature horses.
0: I like when things are small, (laughs) uh, especially when there's there's things that are big.
1: Because they're portable? Because
0: they're portable. I think it's an interesting dynamic shift that it is this big thing that goes – that it's all consuming and then it goes away. And it leaves this little tiny version of itself and it makes you question how big it was to begin with. It plays with the scale of that and memory.
1: I love that it's described – the pyramid is initially described as being a triangle but three-dimensional – So you have no sense of the scale of it and how much smaller this one is. I mean, it's obviously pretty big, but this is the pattern of these early episodes is like the town is weird. Something really weird shows up. Something really weird usually just disappears on its own. Like it doesn't really require any action, but it's more, here's something weird that happens. Now let's think about what that left us with. What did this mean? And, and, you know, we, as the listeners are, given the the room to sort of contemplate it for ourselves. What does this mean? How do I interpret it? And then how do I interpret it that's changed, that it's perceptibly changed the town, even though it was something that showed up and just disappeared on its own, by its own will?
2: Yeah. Um, th- and that happens, again, like we said earlier, quite a bit in Night Vale. Uh, but we do find that even those things that Do you feel like they're overwhelming and impacting our lives, have left a lasting mark, even though we didn't do anything to really get rid of it, like it went away
1: on its own? But I don't know what that says about us as people. Think about how many things come into your life that are odd and unexplained, have a huge impact on you. You have zero control over them. No matter how much you try to exert control, there are always going to be things in your life that will just leave its mark, and they'll eventually they just sort of disappear. And it could be a feeling that you have, it could be a, a person or something at work or school right. or an actual object. But you know those those things kind of happen, and we're left to ponder their impact all the time. And they maybe leave a little bit of themselves with us, or they just have some some small effect and those little pieces make a mosaic so when you step back and look at at the effect of all these small things it's actually a big impact overall and it changes it changes who you are in a in a small way in and sometimes good sometimes bad and maybe that is what meditation is all about
0: there we go that's the fullest of circles Boom. but yeah it's, it's yeah it's very beautiful very beautiful metaphor very beautiful moment of discussion now Shall we go to the
2: fan zone? Come on. Fan zone! Go into the fan zone! Weow. Stay right there. Good morning, Nightfell. Vale. We'll return after a brief break.
0: That's the sound of me smelling my own armpit because I smell like a coconut vanilla cookie. And I smell like that because of native deodorant. Good Morning Night Vale is very pleased to be able to offer you 20% off of your first purchase of native deodorant by going to nativedeodorant.com and entering promo code GOODMORNING at checkout. I find myself very lucky to live in a time in history when deodorant exists. Think about how bad George Washington must have smelled, and be grateful that you don't have to go anywhere near that. I don't want you to be stinky. I want you to smell great. And I want you to do that without endangering your body with harsh chemicals. Native deodorant can do that for you. Their products are naturally formulated and aluminum-free, so you're not going to be slowly poisoned by your own armpits. You're going to have to find another way to die. And while you're finding that other way to die, you will smell great with a naturally derived deodorant that actually works. Native deodorant is not tested on animals, so no narwhals, which are real, will be injured for you to smell awesome. Visit nativedeodorant.com, use promo code goodmorning, and don't smell like George Washington
1: you have trouble getting the sleepies like I do, having a good night's sleep, like a full night's sleep, let me introduce you to Feels, which is the premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. If you're like me and you have trouble, if you have stress, if you have anxiety, pain, or sleeplessness... You just put a few drops of Feels under your tongue and you'll feel the difference within minutes. And if you're like me and you are new to CBD like I was, they offer a free CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience. Feels has me feeling my best every day and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash good morning and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash good morning to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels dot com slash good morning.
2: All right. Today in the fan zone, Teresa writes. When I first heard about Kashuk, I knew there had have been something weird with this cat. So my first headcanon of him was as this cat with strange tentacles instead of legs floating in place. But like he could move and twist around and float in three stall sized bathroom with white tiles on the floor and halfway up some periwinkle colored walls. Huh, that's pretty The bathroom has one mirror and it's cracked with only two sinks. I hope you liked my headcanon.
0: So this episode for us marks a very special time. This is episode nine, and this is the first episode that we have recorded since Good Morning Night Vale has been released. So all the other episodes before, we had no idea how y'all would react to what we have to say. And so recently we've gotten a lot of messages where people are talking to us about their Kashik and station bathroom head cannons, which uh, I think we talk about in episode two of Good Morning Night Vale. So, uh, so yeah, so our... We're going to be talking a little bit about some kashics and some bathrooms because that's what we're hearing from you about. Um, and, yes, Teresa, I like your head headcanon. It's a pretty bathroom.
1: Me too. Yeah, the periwinkles. You have a very good eye for design, that white and periwinkle. Yes. It's kind of close to what I imagined, but I guess my periwinkle would have been more of a – like a mint or like a dull green. So right on. Maybe uh if when I get a house, please design my bathroom, but I need a whole mirror, please
2: and the idea of the cat with tentacles though and not it's not just like a regular cat like a cat with tentacles is not a normal that's not what cats look
1: like where I'm from <laughs> I don't know what your cats are like, but where I come from, <laughs> cats have legs, not tentacles. I am <laughs> Symphony Sanders, and this is real America.
2: I'm not here to make friends. <laughs> that's not true. I am here to make friends.
1: Thank you, Teresa. I, I'd like to read something from Cora, if I may. Please. Cora writes, I remember visualizing Kashek as being made of shadows. I'm not sure if I was influenced by the glow cloud, all hail, but he was one of those cats that's so black and so fluffy that their eyes are like beacons. His fur drifted around him like mist, and his eyes followed your every movement once you entered the washroom. Boy, Cora. You bring up a very good point, something I had not thought of until I read this, which is what happens to the fur? A bunch of cat. this is not a hairless cat. It seems like we all agree this cat has fur, and this fur is being shed. The idea that the fur makes a mist around the cat, how do you groom that?
2: No, you don't. It just, like, keeps misting out. Like, that would probably be the easiest cat to groom, don't you think, when it's mist hair?
1: Use a net and grab it all like a, like you're skimming a fish tank?
2: And it's all that, on all the fur is going to stay in the bathroom
0: for the most part, which is good. I mean, I feel like the hardest part about a pet is that they're everywhere, and like you know, you got you can, you find cat hair in your Cheerios and your Symphos. and um, uh yeah. And, but <laughs> if the cat's just in the bathroom, his you know his misty fur is just confined to there. So it's probably one of the best ways to have a cat is to humanely keep them floating in a bathroom. <laughs>
2: Well, I don't know about that because I feel like, isn't there that thing about it when you flush a toilet, like fecal matter flies all over the place?
1: Yeah, you can't keep your toothbrush near there.
2: Right, yeah, right, 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 right. So I'm like, so is that cat forever unclean, like covered in poopoos,
1: Like Ooh. tiny t-
2: tiny poos It's a really good
0: point that we hadn't thought about before is that Kashuk is probably covered in tiny, tiny bits of poop from the flushing toilet.
1: Is that what the mist is? I'm going to throw up.
0: Well, you know what, though? This is something that I've been thinking about a little bit. There's poop everywhere, right? Like, yes. It gets everywhere. It's everywhere. <laughs> on we everything. Try to, <laughs> we try to think that we live in a civilization where it's not everywhere and on everything just because, like, we can't see it. But, again, just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there.
2: Because so. seriously, somebody, like, touches something... You know, or wipes their butt and then they don't wash their hands and then they touch a thing or, you know, it's floating around in the air and it lands on your whatever. It's on your shoes, you know, like it's. Oh, it's definitely on your shoes. Definitely your on your heart. shoes everywhere. And then you walk
0: with your shoes into your house and then, you know. And then God forbid yeah. you
2: walk
1: around barefoot in the grass. There is poo-poos and peepees everywhere. That's why I didn't do it when I was a kid. Would not run around barefoot. Didn't like the grass on my feet. And now I realize I was defending myself against (laughs) peepees. Oh, good.
0: You have such a strong will to survive, Hal.
1: Yeah, my, my fight or flight is always in full flight. All right,
0: moving boldly forward. This is from Yanni. Uh, Yanni writes uh, I love how Nightvale can at once seem like a tiny town where Cecil knows everyone by name, but at the same time be big enough to feature an arena, an airport, a large enough population that despite all the deadly catastrophes, it hasn't gone extinct like in two weeks. So, Yanni asks, How big do you imagine Nightvale to be? And I think that for me, this puts it into an interesting perspective because I also feel like it's definitely this super, super small town, but it's got the infrastructure and population of a pretty big place. So Yanni's just blown my mind.
2: I feel like Nightvale is somewhere in between a town. It's not a city. It's not a city. It is definitely less than 100,000 people, but I think it's bigger than 30,000 which is big enough to have, like, a big high school. There's industry, things like that. Yeah. I don't know. That's that's in my brain what happened, how big it is.
1: I think uh, Laurel brings up a really good point. <laughs> I never really considered the size of the town, but I think uh, – I always think of it as being really, really small. Like, too – they have too much stuff for the size of the town, but it, I don't think everybody knows everybody. I would put it, like – I would say fewer than 10,000 people. I literally people. just got
2: that the Laurel and Hardy. <laughs> wow, I'm so slow, but that was good. Hey, remember that when that was a big thing?
0: It's going to be when by the time this episode yeah. airs, it's going to be so far away. People are going to be like, "What was that? What were they Uncle talking Hal. about? Was that did that happen in 2008? It was George W. Bush president?
1: <laughs> did we have roller skates yet? Who knows what it was. But yeah, I think it's too they have too much stuff for their size, but I would put them in the in like the ten thousand range or fewer okay. people, is what I would say.
2: Hey, here's something. This isn't on the agenda, but I just uh, something that I thought was funny and pertains to you, Meg Deb. Um, somebody posted on Twitter. They were like, "I've always wondered, is Deb the sentient patch of haze related to the glow cloud?
0: Huh? I'd say cousins." Okay. I'd say cousins, like cousins, not, not in a, of a relation kind of way, but in the, like, your family is really close kind of way. Like same genus. Yeah. Like, I don't think like, I listen, I say that like the glow clouds and 17 patches of hazes are cousins, but that's not because they share a grandma. It's because they share a connection and a, a similar story. They, you
2: know, they were raised on the same block. Eating the same baked ziti and mozzarella.
0: Eating the same baked ziti and the mozzarella. <laughs> and the <gabagool. laughs>
2: Colleen writes, Of course, I shouldn't be concerned about such a vile man. But where's Telly? Because a uh, pyramid, I think it was, that said he was blistering or something, and he was whispering weird shit. Where is he now? Is he dead? Was he written out? Is he alive but Cecil's a petty bitch and won't report about him. I mean, I mean, me too. But where's Telly the barber after episode three? I don't know. Do we ever talk about him again? Do you remember anybody?
0: Yeah. We're talking about him in, in episode nine pyramid. Oh, right. So. Nine.
2: Yeah. 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 Sorry. So, uh,
0: from, I don't, I don't know if there's more Telly from, from here on out. Like
2: post that. Yeah. Well, I think he gets what he deserves, Probably a little bit, but also Cecil was being a little intense about the whole thing, right?
0: Uh, yeah, agreed. Agreed that Cecil maybe maybe Cecil's yeah. pers- Cecil might be a little too close to it, you know, to uh, be reporting on it accurately.
1: Isn't that sort of the story of Nightvale, though? <laughs> <laughs> he's too close to almost everything he's reporting on. It's nice to see him get a little snark. Lair as much as he can for as reserved as he is, especially at this point, you know we're early on, less than two months in.
2: I do always love those little glimpses into what Cecil's actual point of view, his personal point of view, and not just what he's told to report on
1: yeah i I agree. I have a theory it's not mine, it's from Greta who writes. I think that the pyramid that appears in Episode 9 was actually made by the city council slash mayor with the intent of brainwashing people into not questioning the things that happen on a daily basis. Also, that could be why the secret police blamed flakios in the beginning. But something went wrong, and instead of making people ask less, the pyramid gave out questions and answers. I like this theory a lot.
2: Wow. Yes, I think this is a very interesting fan theory. And I like the idea of brainwashing people. And I feel like they do that indoctrinating people throughout uh, our time with Night Vale. Don't you? Yeah, I think it's a pretty common technique among governments to desensitize
0: them to things uh, and then do some other things. That's all. I'm not <laughs> responding to anything that's going on presently.
1: Nope, Never.
0: Governments are tricky. All right. This is a, a question that kind of came from Nikki, but also there was a voicemail from Kelsey that mentioned a similar thing. So it was uh, talking about how, well, you guys were each, uh, for Hal and Symphony, you were each cast in Night Vale at uh, kind of a year or so into the year and a half, two years into the show. Uh, and the question is, had you listened to Night Vale before you got cast in the show or did you start listening to it after you got cast?
2: I actually started listening to Night Vale because Cecil and I have been friends for so long. Like we went to theater school together um, and I, you know, I knew he was doing this thing and he had been posting about it a little bit on Facebook and I was like, okay, cool. And then I think it was after the first live show that you guys, he posted a video of like fans like screaming and all excited. And I was like, well, what the heck is this thing? And I started listening to it, and so by the time I became involved in the show, I had been listening to it pretty pretty on and off. but then I tried to catch up as much as possible before i uh, came on the show myself
1: i My first show was i think in October of twenty thirteen it was like the fall of twenty thirteen so it was like a yeah like a year year and a half in and I listened to a few episodes. I think I got up to the initial mention of Steve Carlsberg, and I uh, I know, uh, like the the choice that I made to play him was just based on the script that I saw, where I knew Cecil was going to be yelling at me, and I thought it would be funnier to play him as a really nice guy than it, than it was to come in and play him as an antagonist. It just felt comedically it's more fun to have this really nice guy just get yelled at for what I thought was no reason. I don't even know if I made it up to Steve Carlsberg being mentioned. Cause so I, cause I didn't, I think I listened to like episodes one and two, something like that just on the plane to New York. Right. So, uh, yeah, I had no idea what I was walking into and the characterization that I chose had nothing to do with any mention beforehand. It was just, This would be kind of funny. And that's why the the voice changed from the first time I did it to the second time I appeared in an episode because I did a Southern accent the first time that I completely forgot about the next time I did it. I just remembered like the sort of rasp.
2: An actor prepares. (laughs) That's it. Thanks so much for joining us today, you guys, for Episode 9, Pyramid. Next week we will talk about feral dogs – and we will chat with Kate Jones, the voice of Dark Owl Records proprietor, Michelle Wynn. Until then, good morning, Night Vale. Good morning.
0: Good morning, Night Vale is a Night Vale Presents production. It is hosted by Symphony Sanders, Hal Lublin, and Meg Bashwinner. It is edited by Grant Stewart. It is mixed by Vincent Cachione. It is produced by Meg Bashwinner. Theme music by Disparition. Special thanks to our fans who submitted their thoughts this week. Leave us a voicemail at 929-277-2050 or email us at info at goodmorningnightvale.com to share your theories and ask questions or to evangelize your cult to us. For more information on this show, go to goodmorningnightvale.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Nightvale Chat. Special thanks to Christy Gressman, Jeffrey Craner, Joseph Fink, and Adam Cecil. Today's adverb is swimmingly. The swimming lessons did not go swimmingly, and they all drowned, which was sad, but for a brief moment, hilarious.
1: Within the Wires is an immersive fiction podcast by Janina Matthewson and Night Vale co-creator Jeffrey Craner. Each season, we unfold a brand new story strictly via found audio from an alternate 20th century. Season 4,
2: The Cradle, is a story about a mother and daughter as they attempt to lead a family-centric commune surviving on the fringes of society. Subscribe to Within the Wires at nightvalepresents.com or wherever you get your podcasts.